Awesome. Okay, you've been sat down for a few seconds. Stand up. Shake your legs off. Shake your legs off. Is anyone ready to hear a great message? Well, I better give one then. (laughs) Father, just thank you for what you're already doing in our meeting this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd keep doing what you're doing. Stir your church, Lord God. I just pray you'd anoint someone like me to speak into the lives of brilliant people like this, Father God. Lord, I pray there'd be something for everyone. And that as we leave this place, we'd be in a better position than the way we came in. Lord, that we'd be stirred and empowered to play our part in your big picture. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Turn to three people and say, this is going to be good. I'm going to do a three-part series, which I'm calling Bodybuilding. Uh, I'll unpack what that even means. Thank you, team. Last year, there I am at the gym. And... um, I'm going to call it bodybuilding, and I, I wrestled with, you know, why? Isn't it good? I don't know if you're a preacher or an orator or a teacher. When you're going to do a session, you've got to decide what, what's the, what are you trying to say? Because you can say a whole bunch of stuff and end up saying nothing, can't you? And my goal in these three sessions is to cause you as an individual to be a fitter Christian. So that we as the body of Christ, we as the church, will be better at what we're called to do. And there's lots of aspects to that. So, you know, I, I trained in, I was a personal trainer for many years. Um, I, I did health and fitness. I studied health and fitness. And what I've discovered is the principles for bodybuilding in the physical are the exact same principles for bodybuilding in the spiritual. And so we can apply the same truth so that we become spiritually strong people, spiritually fit people. And that's a good thing, yeah? Some of it will be challenging, and I hope I do challenge you, but... Health and fitness is everywhere. You can't watch the TV or a TV station that has adverts on it for more than a couple of hours without something about what you're eating, how you're exercising, the latest product you should be using to make yourself fitter and stronger. Lots of people now have watches which are telling you how many steps you're doing, how, you know, how many calories you've burnt today. What your heart. Give me a wave if you've got one of them. See, lots of people. You can't go anywhere today without a voice in your head telling you something about how fit you are. That's the reality. How about in church, we learn from that and start assessing how fit are we? Because who wants to be the fittest version of yourselves for Jesus' glory? So so that's that's what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. So you can get where I'm going with this. We need to be stronger in our spiritual person all of the time. Um. Today, I'm going to do three areas, and the three areas will be strength, suppleness, and stamina. They are the three things I'm going to cover. Today, we're going to talk about strength. Do you see the three S's there? I'm almost a good preacher now, aren't I? I'm working on it. 15 years in, I'll get there one day. So today, we're going to look at strength. And if you specifically look at bodybuilders, bearing in mind, they will be the group of people known primarily for their strength or power lifters. I think James did a bit of power lifting, didn't you, at one point? James used to, I should, have, I should have got him on stage. I had this idea, I've, I've, got, um, I've got some weights and a bench and stuff in my garage, and I had this idea about putting the bench on and, and maybe putting 60 kilos on it or something, getting a couple of guys up to have a bench off. But I decided I didn't want to embarrass anyone, because someone has to lose that, don't they? And you don't want to be the guy walking back to your seat with all the girls looking at you going, I'm so weak. So I'll cut that idea. I was going to have that idea, but I'll cut that idea. But I think I can ex- explain to you the, the things I'm trying to say, and you will get it. Bodybuilders know that to be in peak condition, it's not about training, it's about a lifestyle. It's about what food they eat, 
when they eat it. It's about what rest they have. Who knows, heard the principle rest to grow. It's not just about keeping going, keeping going, keeping going. If you never stop, you don't grow because you're always working. Your body needs to rest in order to grow. It's about what you train with, how much you're lifting, how often you're lifting. It's a lifestyle. I've got some bodybuilder friends, and we'd used to go out to the pub on a Friday night, and I'd be having a, I'd be having a, a beer, and they'd be having a milk. <laughs> it's just, but, but for them, they say, do you laugh at me? They say, but this is a lifestyle. I can't have a day off. And just see what I mean. And so if you kind of apply that kind of thought process to your spiritual journey, we're looking for people who are living a lifestyle, not having moments. And it's good to have moments. Of course it is. But we want to be people whose lifestyle is becoming more and more like Jesus. We're building our body. Let's have an amen in the house. Let's have a look at this little picture I've got here. Look at this man. You see, this man is relatively out of shape. Sorry if you look like that, but you, you are. And... Uh, But he's decided to do something about it. And to get to that level, and I'm not saying that everyone needs to look like that at all, but what I am saying is that man made a decision that I feel out of condition and I'm going to do something about it. And so he will have had to change his diet, his sleep pattern, and his exercise pattern. And he chose to do that. And he has great, get it off because all the men are feeling bad right now. <laughs> I want to read you a statement Jesus made. And... Um, Jesus made various declarations about why he was here. Who knows that Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's, he's raising me up to preach good news to the poor. To create recovery of sight to the blind. To break people free of chains and to declare the year of the Lord's favor. That was a declaration. This is what I'm here to do. Jesus said, I came to destroy the works of the evil one. He made declarations about why he was here. Who knows John 10, 10, one of our favorites. You know, I came to give you life and life in its fullness. Jesus is always declaring, this is what I'm here for. So don't be surprised when I do it, because this is what I'm here for. Here's another thing that Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 18. It says this. I tell you that Peter, uh, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You see, Jesus came and he said, I'm here to build my church. You know, what he's building on here is a revelation that, that Peter had. Jesus asked them, who do people say I am? And Peter said, that I, I believe you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, yes, that right there, that revelation is the rock I can build my church on. So when the church start understanding who Jesus is, Jesus can build on that. But there's three things. Can I have that, that screen back up? There's three things that Jesus says here that I just want to touch on as, as we press into this. The first thing he says is, I'm going to build. I will build. And to build anything talks... Talks of increase, talks of growth, talks of strength. It talks of being bigger, of being stronger. This whole idea Jesus wants to build. He doesn't want the church to stay the same. He doesn't want you as an individual as part of the church to stay the same. He wants us to grow and to get stronger. Jesus' declaration of what he was about. So when you sow time and energy and effort into doing that, Jesus is like, yes, that's what I came to do. And you're doing it and you're keeping it going for me. The next thing he says, I will build my church. Jesus is into church. Does anyone know that? That means if you're part of the church, Jesus is into you. The word for church, biblically speaking, would be ecclesia. And it ultimately means the gathering of those called out and set apart for Jesus. So when we gather, we're being the church. And that's what Jesus said, I'm I'm about. I'm going to build the church. So when we grow as a church, 
Jesus is like, yes, you're doing the very thing I called you to do. I, I, had, I don't know if anyone's, you've had these wrestles, but since we've been doing church, I've had people say things like this to me. You don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Anyone had, anyone had that wrestle? Has that spoken to you? Well, can I unpack it just for a second? You can believe in Jesus that he's the son of God, that he died and rose again. You can have a faith in your heart, and that means you're saved. Because Jesus said, if you can believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you're saved. But the word Christian ultimately means to be like Christ. That's what it means, like Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Give me a wave if you agree with that. So Jesus says, part of the reason I'm here is to build my church. So if you're going to be like Christ, what do you need to do? Come on, son. Round of applause for Kenny. So yes, you can be saved and go to heaven. But you cannot be a Christian and not be part of a church. Because otherwise, you're not like Christ. And the word Christian means like Christ. Do you get it? And the reason for that is that the church is God's A plan for reaching humanity. And he doesn't have a B plan. So it's so important for us to sow into this gathering, into the small gatherings we have. You know, we're able to bless the cap ministry in this town because we can do it together. I could give a tenner, and that's nice and good, but we could give thousands. Who makes the biggest difference? And if you weren't here this morning, you wouldn't even know that was happening. So good stuff comes out of the gathering. And Jesus said, one of the reasons I'm here is to build the church. So if we want to be followers of Jesus, what do we need to do? Come on. There you are. Do you hear me? Does that help you with that wrestle when other people say those kinds of things? The third thing he says in that statement is awesome. The gates of Hades or hell cannot overcome it. See, when we, you need to understand you're in a fight. Every person on the planet is a spiritual person, everyone. Whether they choose to tap into that is everyone's free choice. And I love that God is love, he's just not good at love. And what love does is he doesn't dominate you and force anything. He laid his, his heart on his sleeve and said, I'm sending Jesus because I love you. And then you get an opportunity to say yes or no, and he'll never force it. But when you say yes to Jesus, who knows your life changes? You can say no. And do you know what? God will still love you. But when you say yes, everything shifts. But when you say yes to Jesus, you become a threat to every spirit of the enemy of darkness. You see, so suddenly now you're a threat. If you're someone, you know, if I, I put a football analogy and I get stick for that. But if the other team's got a star player, who's the player on the other team you want to take out the most? The star player. If they've got a player who's a standing, who's a bit rubbish, you don't worry about him too much, do you? Because he's not going to impact you. So when you tap into your spirituality and start representing heaven, you become a star player. So now you're a threat. And so you can expect there to be a battle around your life. But Jesus says, as the church builds and grows, hell can't touch it. You see, so that's why it's important we take this stuff seriously because you're in a battle and you may sometimes feel like you're losing your battle. But Jesus says the key to winning that battle is to grow strong and be part of a group of people to cheer each other on. Amen. Then the church cannot be touched or overcome. Guess what? We win. Jesus' language, not mine. Jesus says it in John 10.10. 10. We love that verse here and I stand on it so often because Jesus says, I came that you'd have life. But he starts that with the thief 
devil, our opposition, comes to kill, steal and destroy. But I came that you'd have life. So the reality is there is an opposition. And you're in the fight. Whether you like it or not, you're in the fight. So you need to choose, if I'm in this fight, do I want to be strong in this fight or weak in this fight? And as we gather together and build each other up, you become strong in the fight. And Jesus said, you'll always win. So if we always want to win in life, what do we need to do? Build together, get stronger together, grow the church together. Where there is half-heartedness, unbelief, disunity, when we're poorly fed, when we become weak Christians, we find ourselves always battling. Oh, hello. We find ourselves always battling. And yet we shouldn't be battling, we should just be winning. And the key to that process is to start strengthening your spirit person alongside the body of Christ you're called to. Here's what I love. God stirred me up with a message like this, and I guarantee you there'll be other churches all around the world hearing this kind of stuff because God's on the move. He is strengthening his body. That's you and me. He's causing you as an individual to say, I want to take this stuff seriously. I want to be better this year than I was last year. And next year I want to move forward because I'm getting stronger in my faith. I'm believing for more. I'm living differently. And I mean it. And as every single person in the room does that, what happens? The body gets stronger. And the devil can't touch it. And then we have testimony after testimony after testimony of God's goodness coming through the church. Do you hear why it's important? So four things I want to say today about strength. The first thing is this. You need a spotter. Any, does anyone here lift weights? Give me a wave if you lift weights. Yeah, look at my wife does. Oh, some good, yeah, great. Anyone who's ever lifted weights will know this. You can never lift your maximum unless you have a spotter. Because of this kind of thing. Here's a one-minute video just for your entertainment. Round of applause for the spotter, please. Can you see the point? You think to yourself, I can do this. I can do this. But then when you start pushing a weight that's a bit heavy for you, you get stuck. And I used to lift weights in my garage on my own. And when you get about 100 kilos on your chest and you can't move, you've had a nightmare. Because the only place that that is going is down. And there's a point. I'll end there. You need... A spotter. Here's the role of the spotter. Uh, the spotter is to stop you getting stuck. The stop spotter is to stop you getting hurt. The spotter is there to have a laugh with. Who knows, it's more fun lifting weights with someone with you. Uh, the spotter is this accountability thing. See, um, many of you will know Franco, and I go to the gym with Franco. And um, sometimes I wake up on a Monday morning, it's one of our gym days, and I'm like, oh, it was a tough crowd Sunday. I'm a bit worn out. I don't feel like it. That's actually never happened, honestly. And you wake up and you don't fancy it. But what gets me to the gym is I know Frank's going to be there. And if I don't go, I let him down. And it's in vice versa. Sometimes he doesn't feel like it. He goes, so what happens is you get the best out of each other. So to be the strongest version of you, you need a spotter. You need one. So my first question to you, church, today is do you have a spotter? And if you haven't, would you consider getting one? It's biblically true too. There's lots of verses all around doing this life together. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 is a big, big wedding verse, this one, isn't it? Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls when there's no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? 
Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. There's, the, there's the, the wedding bit, you know, Jesus in the middle of your marriage. But can you see the point? You're better with someone else. You're better together. That's why church is important. You can have faith on your own, but you can't be a Christian on your own because we're called to do it together. We need to be together. I want to be together. Mark 6, 7, this is how Jesus did it. Calling the twelve to him, Jesus speaking, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. When Jesus sent them out, he didn't send them out on their own. Why? Because there's something about being together. And it's a spiritual principle and we need to be men and women who um, apply this spiritual principle because it will cause us to be stronger. Who's your spotter? Address that question. Don't walk out of this place and think it doesn't count. It will make you stronger. And when I talk about spiritually stronger, you need to have someone who you love and trust who you will allow to speak into your life. I'm about to push this door. I'm about to ask this question. I'm up against this thing. What do you think? They're spotting each other. How So many of us think we're always right. Literally no one, not even me, is right all the time. Thanks, Mum. Been heckled from the front row. <laughs> the enemy is a liar. <laughs> Here's the thing. But if you have some accountability, you can ask questions and do it together. And I take that kind of stuff seriously. This is where marriage is so strong. But you can only allow your spouse to be your spotter if you will allow them to tell you the truth without it causing some weird divorce. Sarah will speak into my life. Sometimes I push back, but normally she's right. <laughs> but I have, you know, I have a team of three ladies who pray for me weekly. They get together on a monthly basis and pray for us because there's some accountability, there's some protection. I don't do this on my own. I have Mark Collard, who was here preaching last week. I have accountability with him, Peter Prother. I have multiple lines of accountability. My mum and dad will always speak into my life and I'll allow it. So I lead from example. I don't do this on my own. I'm not right all of the time, and neither are you. And as you do it together, it just causes you to grow and get things right quicker and achieve more. Spotters are crucial. Jesus took it seriously. The church should take it seriously. Are you hearing me? The second thing uh, I want to say is how much weight are you lifting? You will know we looked at that picture. The more weight you are lifting, your body's going to change shape. You will get muscles and some guys get muscles on muscles women to do today too and the idea is you know that person's been in the gym just by looking at them you know they can they are strong people just by looking at them and we can see that if you you went and asked someone to lift a heavy weight you would know probably just by looking at someone whether they could pick it up or not pick it up whether they could push it or not push it just by pushing them just by looking at them and it begs this question what does your spiritual person look like what could you push in terms of advancing the kingdom for God? Now, we can't see that on the outside because it's something that's going on, on the inside. People get insight and often see beyond what's natural. But the thing is, what is your spiritual person looking like? And it has to do with pressure. The whole thing with, with lifting a weight in a bench press like we saw on there is that as you pick that weight up, it's a pressure. And you have to resist the pressure. And in the end, you get strong enough that you can push the pressure away. And as you get stronger, you can handle more pressure. 
God allows us to be put under pressure, church. If you're someone who thinks, oh, I'm so under pressure now, it must be the enemy. No. God allows pressure. Do you know why he allows pressure? Because it's what causes you to get stronger. And he needs you to be a stronger version of you. You're not me and I'm not you. We've all got different levels of strength. But God would allow pressure in your life on purpose because it causes you to have to push against it, which it causes you to get strong. Are you hearing me? We've gone quiet, church. If you've got a life with no pressure, I can guarantee you're achieving little or nothing. There will always be pressure in someone's life who's doing something. You know, when we decided to launch this church, pressure came. That we need another church. Who's your covering? Where have you been trained? Oh, the questions and the pressure comes. You start thinking, oh, can I do this? But you know what? I knew I was called to do this. I push against it. And look what's happening, church. But pressure comes. And it will come to you too. When you do something for God, there's always going to be pressure. Because we've always already established that you become a threat. And so if you're going to join in with a ministry, if you're going to start a ministry, if you're going to share your faith with someone, if you're going to pray with someone, if you're going to show generosity and kindness to someone, there will always be pressure because you're representing heaven. And so my encouragement to you is do more of it. Let the pressure come. How much could you stand? Sometimes you don't know how much you can stand until you're standing it. Do you get it? And so let's be active in our faith. Let's welcome the pressure. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to do something. I'm going to step out and I know pressure's going to come, but I'm going to show some strength. And if I'm not strong enough, I've got a spotter. And they will stand with me and they will help me. And we will laugh about it and I'll go again. And this time next year, if you live that lifestyle, you'll be lifting bigger weights and standing more pressure than you've ever stood before because you've gone through the process of getting stronger. You see, what, what used to be pressure to me isn't pressure anymore because I've been through it and I've learned to handle it and I've grown in my spirit person. Wouldn't it be a great thought process for you to consider what's pressure for you right now? And maybe write it down in a journal or a notepad or a device of yours. And then this time next year, look back and, and look at it. Wouldn't it be awesome if you looked at that and you start thinking, what was I worrying about? Why did I let that get to me? Because I could handle that no trouble now. And it shows that you're getting stronger. Sometimes you need to encourage yourself that you're doing things today that you would have never done a year ago. Do you know why? Because you've pushed against some pressure. And when the pressure came, you didn't fall over and go, oh, God's left me. He hasn't left you. He wants you to get stronger. And sometimes there's this whole image of namby-pamby Christians. Oh, come on, church. Let's get stronger. Let's be strong men and women of faith, not falling over every time, but pushing against it and growing something and growing you. Amen. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 and 8 says this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed, perplexed, and not in despair. Can you see? It is a biblical principle. Pressure's coming going to come you do anything at all for Jesus pressure's coming but we don't despair we stand up we push against it and we do it together because we're the church and we're advancing we're making a difference and we're called to bring heaven to earth there will be pressure but we're not perplexed and we're not in despair why because we win do you get it I hope I'm stirring something in you because I want you to get stronger I want you to leave this place and go yeah come on it's not about going to the gym in your physical it's about going to the gym in in your spiritual And we need to be men and women who take that seriously because it's Jesus' mission. I will build the church. 
Well, one of the things you need to know, and this is point three, is for maximum growth, muscles break. If you've ever been out of the gym for a long time, you know, even a few weeks, and go back to the gym, who knows, for the next two or three days, you ache and are sore. Because what's happening is that as you push against something, your muscles actually tear, which sounds horrendous, but that's what you have to do to grow. Because the muscles tear apart, and then as they grow together, they knit like this, and so therefore they add volume. Your muscles grow by tearing and breaking. And so you apply that same principle to spiritual growth. Sometimes God needs to break you. It's going to be quiet. But do you hear me? And it's not because he stopped loving you. It's because he loves you more. Because he wants to see, he sees the bigness in you. Sometimes you don't see the bigness in you. He sees the bigness in you. But you know what? Sometimes things have to break. Attitudes. Come on, we've all got a stinky one somewhere. Come on. If I've got them, you've got them. If I can be honest, you can be honest. But sometimes God has to break something in you and it's painful and it's sore because I've lived like this and it's been okay for so long. Well, do you know what? It's not okay anymore because we've got to grow and we've got to get stronger and we've got to handle more stuff. And there's people on this planet who need you to handle your stuff because you're declaring something of heaven on earth when you handle your stuff. And so when you look back, you go, oh, that broke me. That was so difficult. And I'm not saying it's easy. But don't start saying it's the devil because sometimes it's God allowing you to break because he wants to build you up stronger. Joseph is the classic example of that, isn't it? He had a God call on his life. He was called to be the second most powerful man on the planet at the time, the prime minister of Egypt. But he was a boy and he had a dream. And in his dream, his brothers bowed down to him. So in his youthful enthusiasm, what does he do? Tells his brothers... Oh, God's given me a dream. You're all going to bow down to me. <laughs> they hated him. What an idiot. What he needed to do was mature, was to grow, was to handle his stuff. But instead of that, he blabbed it all off. The next dream he had, his mum and dad were bowing to him. Oh, mum and dad, guess what? I've had a dream. You bow down to me. Really? So what did they do? They sell him off. As a slave. And he ends up in Potiphar's house. But what's happening in the process? His pride and his arrogance is being broken and broken. Do you think that was painful? Of course it was. We read the story over the six or seven or ten pages. He was years. He went to Potiphar's house. And he served diligently because he had good character. And then when he was accused of doing something he didn't do. And he ended up in jail. Was it painful? Of course it was painful, but what was God doing? He was breaking him down. He was breaking him down and it was painful. Why was he breaking him down? Because he wanted to build him back up stronger. Because he had such a big call on his life, he couldn't have pride and arrogance to handle the call. And sometimes, guys, we have to go through a breaking process, which is painful. But if we can see it for what it is and embrace the process, you come out the other side able to handle so much more stuff. The planet needs you to win that. We're all praying for a revival, I'm sure. You might be praying for friends and family you hope will meet Jesus. But one of the things you can be doing in the practical is getting stronger. Because as you handle more stuff, more people will be amazed by what God's doing in your life. Your life will become a testimony. You won't have to be going up to people whacking around the head with your Bible, do you believe? They'll just look at you and go, wow, I want some of what you've got. What have you got? Well, I've got Jesus. What have you got? Can you see? 
We need to be men and women who are prepared to break a little bit and embrace the process, even though it's painful, to get stronger. Come on, we want to be men and women who are strong. Let's, that picture I put up there, and I know, you know, it's a bit unpleasant. Some of us are unfit spiritually. Come on, is today the day you say, I don't want to be like that anymore. I'm going to go on a journey. And it's not overnight. It's a process and a lifestyle. Do you remember the bodybuilders? It's a lifestyle. I go out to the pub, he's drinking milk. Well, when you go to the pub of your friends, what are you doing? And is it representing heaven? Controversial. Are you hearing me, church? I'll get passionate about this stuff because I'm called to lead a great church and you are a great church, but we could be a magnificent church. How many people's lives could we change if we started to handle some more stuff? How many lives could you as an individual change if you could handle some more stuff? And it might mean a journey of breaking, but if that's what it is, embrace it because at the end of it, you'll be so glad because you'll be doing things you only ever dreamed of. You know, I'd even say with Nathan's testimony earlier, you know, he could have said, oh, you know, oh, in my heart, I kind of want to give, but, but I can't give. And oh, oh, and he sits down. But no, no, no. He says, I'm going to handle some stuff. I'm going to get stronger in my attitude to my finances. I'm going to have a faith shout in my finances. And it might be painful. I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm going to commit to pledge. And when he stood up against the pressure, and who knows, there's always pressure against you doing something on God's behalf. When he stood up against the pressure, he gets to stand up in front of us and go, God did something. He threw me a curveball. We serve the God of the curveball. But we've got to give him the opportunity for a curveball so the ball is in our park. Do you see? Come on, church. Come on, touch three people, so let's get stronger. The final point, my fourth point is this. Nutrition is absolutely key. You know, I've got friends who go to the gym four or five times a week and they train and they train and they train, but their body has got to a, is plateaued. They look fit and strong, they're muscular, but their dream is to be bigger. Who knows that every guy just wants to be bigger? Weird things, a male thing, isn't it? Just want to be bigger. And, and, but they're not getting bigger. And do you know what they say? 70% of training is what you eat. And, and so they're eating the wrong foods and training and training and training, but not increasing. And the reason they're not increasing is because they're not feeding their body correctly. There's a spiritual principle here, isn't there? We are pushing and pushing and pushing, but unless we are feeding our spirit man properly, we're never going to get any stronger. And so I hope I'm building you a picture of strength here. It's not one thing, it's lots of things, and it's a lifestyle, and it's doing it together. Can you see? This is something Jesus said about how he feeds, John 4.34. My food, said Jesus, is to do the work of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's what fed Jesus. In his spirit, man, he knew he was better off when he was doing what God asked him to do. I've came to destroy the works of the enemy. So I get on and do it. And as I do that, it feeds my spirit person. You are called to be a magnificent church. So when we don't come to church and sit at home, we're getting weaker, not stronger. You cannot stay the same. Do you know why you can't stay the same? Because God's always moving. So if God's going this way, come on church, go on church, come on church. And you say, I'm staying the same. You're stood here, but God is getting further away. So you're going backwards. The only way we can stay with God is when we go with him. And God's about church because we've established that. So when we prioritize gathering together, it will strengthen you. And of course, you know, people have weeks off. That happens. But don't let it become a habit. Don't let it become a lifestyle. Because suddenly you find yourself as an out of shape spiritual person. And it just creeps up on you. And here's the thing. Who knows... That deception is deceiving. 
we think we're okay, we convince ourselves we're okay, but we're deceived. And we can't see it because it's deceiving. Do you get it? It's only when we get together with the spotter, with, with the family, and we, we, we test the water where we're really at. And you suddenly find, actually, people are going past me and they're getting ahead of me. Why? Because they've committed to get stronger. And so my encouragement to you guys is to do the work that God asks you to do. It will feed you. It's good. There's lots of stuff out there on diet nowadays, and it? it's, it's massive. Any vegans in the house? It's one at the back. One at the back. Uh, is there any vegetarians in the house? Yeah, a few vegetarians liking that, liking that. Are there any flexitarians in the house? Do you know what a flexitarian is? A flexitarian is kind of a part-time vegan. It's, uh, so Sarah and I are having three vegan days a week. And then four massive meat-eating days. <laughs> and they call it flexitarian. See, we agree with the principle, but we're not, not, in the, we're not ready to go all in yet. But we're, we're taking steps towards it. So we're, we're this weird flexitarian group. But there's, you know, there's paleo or caveman diet. Have you ever heard of the caveman diet? The caveman diet works like this. If you can kill it or grow it, you can eat it. That's the caveman diet. So nothing processed, because you can't kill that. If you can kill it or eat it, you can you, uh, kill it or grow it, you can eat it. That's the caveman diet. But there's all this stuff. I think one of our favourite diets is the shove it, I'm having a McDonald's. <laughs> really popular one. But I'm not here to comment on all those, those ideas, and there's lots of compelling information out there if you choose to look, but I'm talking about a spiritual person here. Uh, but the reality is there's three main food groups, protein, carbohydrate, and fat. And you need to get the balance right somewhere. Your muscles in the natural grow by being fed with protein. They need protein to grow. If you cut protein out completely, you're not going to grow big, strong muscles. You need, you need that. So I think a, a, um, a fair and reasonable ratio is something like this. 70% carbohydrates, 20% protein, and 10% fat. That is, I think, a well-rounded and agreed across-the-board ratio-ish of, of carbohydrate, protein, and fat. Who knows? Fat's good. Sometimes we've called fat the enemy. But we need fat. But it's good for you. But there's good fats and bad fats. And, and so as I look at this through bodybuilding spiritually, let me make some suggestions to you. If we're going to go 70% carbohydrate, in your spiritual person, that will represent your daily routine, your prayer life, your worship life, who you spend time with, what you listen to and what you watch on a regular basis. It's kind of your, the bulk of what you're doing. And it will have an effect on you because it just does. But then the 20% protein, the protein is really your inspirational teaching. It's, it's coming to be gathered together like, like, like this. It's like something's getting fed in you. Your spirit man is growing because we're together. It could be listening to podcasts or you might have a favorite preacher and listening to them and giving something. It'll be reading your Bible. It'll be that devotional time where it's you and the Father and you're like pushing into them. It's feeding your spiritual muscles. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not, it's 20%, but you have to. Press into those things, and it's important. And 10% that the fat, which is necessary, is everything you do just for you. Who knows you need a down day? Who knows you need a hobby? Who knows you need to go and chill out and have a blast and laugh about some stuff? You need that. It's important. But it's not the main focus. It's part of your life. The reality is, I think, for most people in the natural and the spiritual, is that we forego 
the 20% protein and buy too much into the 10% fat. Who knows, everyone's got the 70%, we do life. But instead of determining that I'm going to spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer, hang out with the person I trust as a spotter and pray together, make sure I, I go to the gatherings, the small groups, make sure I'm serving, whatever it is I'm doing that's growing, make sure I'm doing What happens is we stop doing that because we want to do more of the socializing, more of the hanging out, more of the stuff. And that's the fat, and it is necessary, but it becomes unbalanced. And then suddenly you find we're not as strong in the Christian world as we could be because our intake's wrong. Are you here? Are you hearing me? And it's just important, and, and everyone's different, but my hope is that you'll consider the things I'm saying and apply them to you. And you're the only person who can apply them to you. And my hope is that as you consider this stuff and go home and reflect on it and pray on it and apply the principles, over the coming months and the coming years, you'll find yourself being stronger. You'll find yourself being able to handle more pressure, and you'll be putting a great big one in the eye for the kingdom of darkness. Because we are here to bring heaven to earth. And it's not a game, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's not a moment, it's who we are. You know, Jesus, I, I love these kind of thought processes. If Jesus was to walk down Colchester High Street today, it would be changed, wouldn't it? Because G, it's Jesus, for crying out loud. But the truth is, he is walking down the high street when you walk down the high street. Because he lives in your heart. And so we need to shift our understanding of who we are and who we carry and who we represent. And when we start believing... I'm here to change the world. And you sit next to someone else who believes they're here to change the world. And you turn around and the person behind you is here to change the world. And we start strengthening ourselves. Guess what will happen? We'll change the world. You know, we've talked about our mind management seminar. It's important we do that stuff because we're here to change the world. We've identified a key issue in society today and the church has a key answer. So we need to learn together and be there together. Are you hearing me? So, so my hope is you'll have a little look. You know, we've all got 24 hours a day, and we've all got seven days a week. So if you divide it up, how much of that are you allowing God to feed your spirit person to grow? How much of it is just stuff for you? And that is important, but is it in balance? How much of your regular lifestyle is something you're really chuffed about in terms of how you're representing Jesus? And analyze yourself with the purpose of, I want to get stronger. And it's a lifestyle. Are you with me? Maybe we could have a keyboard, whoever's on keys today.